Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. What's up, everybody? Tony and Russ here, back with another LARCast. I promise, promise that this podcast is going to be the best LARCast we've ever done. Best, hands down. It's going to be your favorite. You're going to share it with at least 25 friends. It's going to be the best. As long as our technology holds up. One thing people don't know is... The real Hold that thought, sh- dude. Hold that thought. My, I got to plug this thing in before it dies. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't resist. <laughs> well, that was great. That was good. See, comedy requires timing. It's real. It's that real. Thing, great, man. That was really good. What a lot of people don't know is the real struggle we have behind the scenes. Mm. So yeah. one, you have just technology just fails constantly. So we, sh- we we struggle with that. But you are generationally, you're a Gen Xer. But when it comes to technology, you're a boomer. Oh, for sure. You're a technological boomer. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. My, my, uh, my mom is, um, she turned 70 this year. And uh, they're. When 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 we're visiting, she'll she'll uh, have to give me a hand at times what to do with my phone. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what this thing's doing. That's amazing. So then I'm sitting here, like, I we, we jump on the call. You got some stuff going on. You're trying to figure out some stuff, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, um, I'm all set up. And then right when we're about to hit record, my app crashes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those moments where you're like, I've already arrived. I know all of these things. <laughs> I came prepared. And then, yeah, literally, we're hitting record. And we're hitting record. Well, and, and behold, you come face to face with, dang, that must be how the Pharisees felt during these parable conversations. Okay, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Actually, for sure. that's how everybody, that's how everybody felt. It wasn't just them. It was everybody for sure. But barring some disastrous technological downfall i still stand by my promise that today is going to be the best larkast you ever listened to we are talking um we're talking about prayer today ladies and gentlemen and the context that it's cushioned in is fantastic we're in luke chapter 11 same context as the good samaritan uh, so you can expect some of the same themes of the good samaritan uh, though applied to prayer. But before we dive into that, we're only a couple of days away from Father's Day. We just celebrated Father's Day at the time of this recording, but I want you to share what you got for Father. We actually both got really cool gifts, and but I want you to share yours. Yeah, man, it was it was pretty special. So I've been a dad 23 years. Um, my kids are, uh, I love them, crazy about them. Uh, my wife always does a fantastic job, man, of honoring me on, you know, on Father's Day. So, you know, you get like breakfast, dude, and get to put your feet up, man. And right. There's like, you know, she'll make me some crazy dinner and, you know, the kids will, you know, get you a card, man, maybe a little something, which, you know, amen. This year, however, I got to experience Father's Day when you have grown children who don't have children of their own. And grown children who don't have children of their own generally have a little bit of money to spend. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting anything like that, but my daughter, Emily is, um, she's been working. She works three jobs. She started school in August, but in the meantime, she's been working and saving. Uh, she's a go-getter and my son is a go-getter. He's older and he's a a field heavy machinery mechanic, man. Got his own place. He's doing good. And, uh, this year father's day, I heard that he got me something special. So I'm like, all right. You know, oh, so you heard ahead of time? I just heard it was something special from my wife. She's like, you got spoiled this year. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? So 
anyhow, he, he hands me this gift, man. And it's, um, it's a box and I open it up and it's, it's a really, 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 really nice pistol. 1911, you know, model 45 Kimber, you know, just a, like a, just, it's a piece of art, man, as much as it is. Right. A tool. <laughs> right. And I was like, I, like I opened the box. I'm like, dude, how, like, this is like, this is literally like 23 father's days in one, you know what I mean? And uh, so on the, you know, on the price point, man, I'm kind of in shock, but he says, uh, I know you've always wanted one as in the 1911 style 45. Yeah. And you know, you always, uh, I always go without man. So we can have, so I thought I'd, I thought I'd get you one. And uh, dude, I literally cried like a baby. <laughs> Which <laughs> Russ Johnson crying is a rare occasion. <laughs> um, can be, can be. And then my daughter, you said, man, she wait. came in, dude, with like, she bought me a really, really nice safe, um, you know, to, to keep it in. So it's all locked up, you know, because, you know, we have a little one at home. Yeah. And man, she got me, uh, you know, a case to carry it in. And, my, you know, my wife came in with some things, you know what I mean, to go with it as well. And it was, uh, it was pretty awesome, man. And then yeah. Eli gave me a card that he made. And nice. Krista wrote down what he said. And he said, uh, I love you, dad. Happy Father's Day. I love that you make me eggs. Um, but then this little line, dude, got me, man. And he said, uh, and you love me. And then when I read that, I was like, oh, man, it's so easy to forget that, that the gift of Father's Day, man, is, you know, we all want to honor our dads, you know, depending on the relationship for sure. Because I know not all are good. But um. I think sometimes as a dad, you forget like the gift dude is in being a dad. Yeah. You know, like the gift is literally like I've been given a gift in this. Mm -hmm. And when, when he said, and you love me, I was like, there it is. Cried like a baby again. Yeah. That's cool. Well, when you sent me a picture of that, um, 1911 pistol, well, first of all, it's a Kimber 1911. And I, I almost cried. It look, looking at the picture <laughs> it's so beautiful i was like right. dude i right. want i want one of those so bad yeah so i got um the you know the pam and the kids got me a, a nice grill like one of those mm. like um kind of more like in the professional line like the barrel style um metal all black chimney stack and it's got an offset smoker I've wanted to dabble in smoking. I just didn't want to have it. something that like is solely devoted to smoking. Cause I don't know if I can like give that much like time to it. I'm already like learning a bunch of stuff right now. And I don't know if I can, you know, add another thing to that. So that was really cool. And then my, I got to show everybody this. Yeah, dude, I cried, my man. When I saw it, when, when you texted up, that a couple of days ahead of, um, father's day mm. and she she gives me something i think i think she had it wrapped up and this is not gonna you know hit for those who are listening to just the audio but for those who are on uh youtube checking this out my mom made this for me for Bro. father's day it's a hand-stitched uh lark open cage logo it's the black on yellow and mm. i cried with that i don't know why it just kind of hit me it was just kind of special man that's yeah, work it was, bro it was like, really, that's like legitimate work that yeah, she was, put into that that was really really cool so cheers mm. to father's day and cheers to um the best father of all i'm not trying to be cheesy with that but god no. literally is our father we are his kids he loves us and in the passage yeah. that we have today the word father and really jesus describing what this father is like and how that relates to prayer it comes yeah. out a ton in this passage so we're going to be yeah. talking a ton about that but before we dive into this i think it would just be helpful for everybody to maybe kind of have a, a broader or an umbrella thought a bigger picture maybe a you know thirty thousand foot view of where we're headed with this so they can kind of cushion the conversation in between some bookends. Yeah, Jesus is, man, he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem. We already know this. He's already declared my mission is to die. I've come to give my life um, to ransom us, man, literally to bring us back. He says um, that that's his mission. That's, that through his death, he's going to accomplish 
the reconciliation of humanity. And he's already made this known. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And so it seems like all these parables keep aligning to this reality that he's already declared. They keep coming back to this. And in this case, man, we got a scene where the disciples, like this parable that Jesus tells is called the friend at midnight, which is what we're going to be diving into. But right before he tells this story, the disciples are asking him about, man, how do we pray? And so there's like this, you know, there's, there's this conversation, man, it's going on. The disciples want to know what is the proper way to pray. And Jesus gives them a story. And I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to give it away, dude. I am going to just give away like the, like the, the premise. I feel like the thesis of what I think like God is actually saying to us here. Yeah. Do and it. it is far opposite of what we often turn this whole story into. Right. Um, so yes, again, the disciples, you know, they, they're asking about, you know, how do we pray? But if the disciples had a proper understanding of what God is really like, uh, they, I don't think they would be asking about the proper way to pray. Now, I know when I say that, people are like, wait, wait, what? The Lord's prayer is like, that, that's, you know, that's the, that's the blueprint, man. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't think so, man. I believe the parable about the friend at midnight is a declaration about the heart of the gospel. Uh, this reality that through the mystery of Christ, we too have died. We do not have to hope for this. We do not have to try to find this. We don't have to work for this. We don't have to wonder if this reality will ever be ours. We are not already loved, already home, already free, already whole, already one with Christ and each other because of anything we have done. And especially not because of the persistence of our prayers or the model that we use and how we went about it. Mm -hmm. The scriptures say that we humanity have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live our lives. Colossians three says have been hidden in him who is life, life itself, right? Ephesians goes on and says that for by grace, we have been saved. This is not something that we've done in and of ourselves. We have been brought into the very life of Jesus, the very death of Jesus and brought to new life in the very resurrection of Jesus. This is our reality. And Jesus keeps pointing to this and pointing to why his mission is to die. And of course, everyone's sort of missing it along the way, but dude, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think this parable at, at all is about the persistence of our prayers, man, and how to get it right. I think this is a story about the heart of the gospel. And um, I don't want to say any more yet. I say, let's go ahead and read the passage because some of this stuff, I think, comes to light, man, like in the Lord's Prayer, actually. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. So we could dive in. We're really in Luke chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses one to eight. Uh, again, like Russ said, the context is the Lord's Prayer. And it seems like this thing kicks off with the disciples wanting religious training and spiritual formation, right? Yes. But so their yeah. mind is religious training, spiritual formation teaches how to do this. But as you said, Jesus's face is set to Jerusalem, Luke 9, uh, 51. And he knows that no human achievement can get you into the kingdom, right? Or bring the kingdom yep. down to earth. So it says in verse one, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So the Lord's yeah. prayer is short, and it's especially short in Luke's gospel compared to Matthew's gospel. This is definitely not a three-day like prayer retreat weekend where you got to get sitters for the kids, pay 250 bucks. For nine meals and you know sp spend through eight hours on prayer <laughs> eight yeah. hours a day with journal in hand you know what yeah, i'm saying dude, i'm just gonna say it man like these dudes are basically wanting what john the baptist's disciples right had so you got john the baptist who's coming along and he's thinking like okay the kingdom's coming messiah's right he's coming um and the entry the membership uh, the involvement in this reality is going to come through how well, like what you believe, what you think, what you say, what you do, what you don't do, political affiliation. That's what John's teaching. It's very much a, how do we bring our flesh into submission of what should be and make this thing fly? 
How do I make me right? How do I make you right? So there's very much this self to construct that's still within his mind. Mm -hmm. And yes, he is pointing to the Messiah that's coming, but we always see Jesus separating himself from the message of John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. So much so that we've talked about on this podcast where John the Baptist, like send someone to Jesus while he's in prison going, dude, are you sure you're the one? Yeah. Cause your whole operation of like what the Messiah is here to do seems opposite of what I have in mind. Well, and don't forget too, like later on, I forget what the cat's name is, but some people uh, suspect that he wrote Hebrews and yeah. he uh, linked up with this couple and he was like mm. a follower of God, but he was, it says the text says he was only familiar with the way of John and they broke down the way of Jesus to him. Yes. And so if you're a disciple of John, it's not like you're getting right. Death and resurrection for everybody mm. out there. That's like, Whoa, are you saying that Jesus is contradicting John? All scriptures inspired. It's like, Whoa, 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 dude, calm down. This is like a progression. God's slowly unfolding what this thing's yeah. about. Yeah, everybody in that audience is thinking messiahs are like, you know, you know, action figure, you know, what I mean? stars, you know, what I'm saying in movies who are going to come and like, I mean, just really just bring Rome and everything to the forefront of what should be. And Jesus, right? We've been talking about this forever on the podcast. Like, we're not understanding that our need is resurrection, not reform. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's literally bringing us into the life of Christ because our faithfulness, our hope our forgiveness, our love, our mercy, our grace, our kindness, our patience, bro. It is, it's a, but a fraction of what is needed or beautiful, man. So there, there's a, there's this whole beautiful life that God is bringing us into it, but he's bringing us into it in and through the death and resurrection of his son, of the Messiah. Right. And so I think that the disciples are like, dude, we want, like you said, man, we want training. We want formation like John the Baptist's disciples got. Yeah. Teach they just the proper way to pray. Yeah. They thought they were like, he was going to be like John on steroids or yeah, you know, man, like, Oh, we're about to level up with Jesus yeah. now. And it's funny because in the Lord's prayer, especially when you pair it with the, with the parable to follow, it's kind of like, it's as if he's going along with their request while simultaneously taking a jab at their request, like undermining it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I even like, I wrote this down just in like some study, you know, just preparing for this, knowing that everything needed, okay, will never be accomplished through human effort. Jesus offers these disciples who are thinking they need some like training in how to pray the most basic prayer possible. (laughs) Okay. It's almost like he is saying, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you guys where you are. But then he comes back to with like two sentences. It's almost like a, all right, you're still not grasping this. Like you think you need a proper way to pray. And it just keeps stemming from your improper understanding of what God is actually like. That'd be, that would be like my son coming to me and going, dad, I've been with you for a while. I was wondering if maybe you could give me a little bit of a framework for how I should talk to you. It's, think it's about blatant it. when you put it in those terms. Yeah. So when I, when you pull back and take our like religious filters away from this thing and just look at it, it's going, wait a second. And so I think that's why Jesus is like, okay, 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 fine. But, but again, it's like this very shallant, like, dude, when you pray a prayer like this, it's, I feel like it's nothing at all in comparison to what they thought they were going to receive. Yeah. Um, in fact, the only thing in the entire prayer for humans to even do, he says is forgive. So, so Jesus tells him, he's like, listen, when you pray, say father. And I love that. Like father. So simple. Um, it, it would have been a pretty revolutionary idea to them. Yes. Yeah. Revolutionary for sure. And at the same time, just extremely like, just simple, you know, like, wait, wait, what father? Yeah. It, it points to a reality that's in place from someone else's doing. Okay. We are children of him the maker, the creator of all things, sons and daughters, right? Brothers and sisters with one another, heirs with Christ himself, the scriptures say, okay? So it'd be very fitting to refer to him as father. But what I love about that is like, it it shows like there's a relationship here that's already in place by someone else's doing, all right? Prayer then is not a work at all. And then he goes on and he's like, you know, as you can see in the passage, like, you know, give us this day our daily bread is another really cool point that I love to bring out in the prayer. 
it points like not to a spiritual ladder to climb or like a blessing that we need to figure out how to gain or this like ethical feat that we need to achieve. Um, Jesus simply says to ask for the bare necessities of life, the bare necessities of life, dude. Give us food. (laughs) You know what I mean? Let us, let us eat and live indoors. And what I think, dude, I, I don't have time to get too much into it, but right before this, just three verses earlier, Jesus is in this scene with Mary and Martha. Okay. And you've got Mary who's like sort of sitting at, at the feet of Jesus enjoying sort of this time together. And Martha who's running around trying to like fix everything and tidy everything and make everything perfect. And she's extremely frustrated that Mary's not helping. And of course the, what we see there is like Jesus points to her and he's like, yeah, um, Martha, there's a, there's a, there's a good part of life that you're missing here. And I've, I found myself thinking about that and reading about that, looking at this prayer from Jesus, because it's coming right on the heels of that. It's like Jesus is saying the life that you've longed for is found in the relationship you were made for. Ask God, your father for the bare necessities. That's what he's telling the disciples. That's all you're going to need to get on to the good part that Jesus spoke to when he was talking to Martha, to get on to what life really is, which is to recline and to walk and to rest and to enjoy, to skip along, man, in this relationship that you were made for. Just made me think about like how much we can miss out in life because we are so busy seeking and praying for things that fail in comparison to the one thing that we've actually been given in him. And then, of course, he says, like, you know, we, we see the whole forgiveness piece. You know what I mean? When you look in the scriptures, it's like the only part in the whole prayer that involves any human involvement. Right. Lord, forgive us. He's done this. There was death and res- right? there was death on the cross. Um, and as we forgive others. And Jesus says he almost kind of points it out like this is going to happen. Like yeah. you might not you might not like it. You might struggle your way through it. It might take you like I confessed in the last podcast. It might take you six years, but you're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the reckless grace of God, man, just continues to wow us. I feel like on our way there. And then the, like, the spirit just does this really cool thing. But I love like the. I love the place in which that all flows from. You know, Kevin says that up. Yeah. He says like a, a person who cancels, how do I say a person who cancels the debt is a person who dies to his own rightful possession of life. Hmm. That is exactly what God has done through Christ. Hmm. And in that invited us, those who live and dwell in him, right? People to pass that on to others as well. There is no life. There is no harmony, man, apart from this. Yeah, and it's funny, like, again, with training and spiritual formation and how do we properly do this or what, like, what is the right way to do this? I feel like we're so infatuated with that. We should see ourselves in the disciples. We want a map. We want, um, you know, to do lists. We want this, this training. We want to feel equipped, Mm -hmm. but just the very first word father, I like what you said earlier, like this frames us in, a relational familial context that cannot be undone. And if we've seen anything from these parables, you know, especially like Luke 15, you know, the two lost sons, it's like, dude, like these kids are knuckleheads, right? Like the two, the two ditches that all of us find ourselves on. We're trying to declare our independence and our rebellion, or we're trying to declare our independence in our self-righteousness. And this father just loves them. I think, I think Jesus takes this like, what that little hint he gives in that first mm-hmm. word. And then he really starts to drive this home and he starts to undermine, I think the basis and the foundation for what they really are asking. You want a roadmap, you want spiritual formation, you want spiritual training. You want to figure out how to do it right and proper. Here's a story about an improper friend. Yeah. That's kind of right where he goes. If you really had a proper understanding of what God is really like, you wouldn't be asking me this, right? Dude. It's like, on one hand, it's like, you find yourself just shaking your head at your own, right? You know what I mean? At your own, like just frailty, like, man, but at the same time, you find yourself like lifting your head up just in awe of like, man, you're so beyond what I, what I even 
can imagine. Yep. And I feel like this is what Jesus is constantly doing. We want to know, are we doing it right? Are we doing it properly? And he just says, dude, okay, again, let me just tell you what our dad is like. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, he doesn't answer the question. He simultaneously answers a different question and undermines the whole assumption of why we're asking and doing what we're doing in the first place. So he almost that- says literally like temptation, like lead us not into temptation. And really quick, just so I'm clear, the temptation you have is to deny the very reality that I've been talking to you about this whole time. The temptation you have will be to, to de- de- deny your dependence to cling to the illusion of independence that, that, that there's this self to construct and to protect. That's what you've bought. And that's what you're living into, you know? And it's like, Lord, lead us, please. Like, like life's going to come with trials and tribulations and temptations, but Lord, please help me not fall into the one, the one temptation that, it, you know what I mean? That really can bring it into life, which is to not to deny the very reality of Christ, it's resurrection. Yeah. The one thing that overcomplicates everything else. Life has its everything. own complications. Yep. And when we uh, imagine God as a cosmic bookkeeper, it jams up everything exponentially and makes it harder than what it already is. Yep. So without further ado, the disciples ask for a training and properness. And Jesus gives a story in improperness, a lessons in inappropriate Uh, he says this in verse five and he said to them which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and i have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within do not bother me the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed i cannot get up and give you anything i tell you though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever Mm. he needs. So this friend at midnight, he's in a tight spot. We're talking about a a hospitality culture here. So it's a desperate situation. And he does a desperate thing. And you might think that it's really silly that that this dude asking for three loaves but you have to understand, oh, we're just like, oh, yeah, cool, dude. Like, I'm just going to run to the grocery store. I'm just going to wake up an hour early and run to the grocery store. Yeah, it's, it, it's not as accessible, right? I mean, you're, you're baking your own bread, right, back yeah. then. It's not like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go grab this thing over here. And so he's in a desperate spot. He's going to be caught, right, shown not having enough, not being able to be hospitable to his friend who is in town. It's a desperate situation for him. And he does a desperate thing. He does an embarrassing thing. It is embarrassing. Like he does, he does the opposite of what any uh, respectable and responsible person would be doing. Yeah. So like growing up, Russ, like, let me ask you, did you, did you not uh, learn about phone etiquette? Yes. Remember back when none of us had cell phones. There's a good portion of our audience that's like, I don't, I don't understand what you guys are, are talking about. There was a time. Yeah, like, there was a time when you guys didn't. Yeah. <laughs> There's a time when, when, when phones were like attached to the wall with a yep. cord and there was one per household. And if you wanted to talk to somebody in that house, you had to call the house number yep. and ask for that person. And there was eight. And, and there was etiquette as to when and um, when not to call. So I always kind of heard growing up, it was kind of like after supper, 8, 8.30, maybe. Like, yeah. don't call. Don't call someone's house after that time, right? Because, like, they're done with work. They're done for the day. It's just rude. In case of an emergency, all all bets are off. Yeah, man. If you got a phone call at like ten thirty, dude, when I was a kid, man, my parents were like flying to the phone. You know what I mean? It was like yeah. something, something's up, bro. Right, something's wrong. But this is this is kind of inappropriate behavior. Yeah, it's 
it's kind of like an emergency for him, but it's not like an, an emergency emergency. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's almost, uh, it's almost childlike mm. behavior. Shameless, even, you know, like somebody who isn't working hard to construct a self and an image somebody who isn't desperately in need of the approval of everyone in and around them. Again, kind of like a child. Yeah. There's somewhere in the Bible that I read something about Jesus saying something about the beauty and importance of that, but people who live respectable and responsible lives don't knock on their friends' doors at midnight. They would be perceived as foolish, right? Um, it, it, it just, it doesn't make any sense, but, but if someone was dead to, to that myth that they needed a self to construct, if they were dead to the illusion that, that there was this image to protect this person to be, to become, uh, to arrive. And somehow in this, like you've, you, that's life. Uh, they would probably come to the simple confession of their failure to be a good host. <laughs> Yeah. And I think, and they would just go knock on a door. If you're a, if you're a prideful person, you might blame your friend. Well, you showed up. I wasn't ready. Right. This is on you, man. This is on you. Yep. So desperate situation. Um, and he does something desperately. And I love in the parable at first, he's like, man, get, get out of here, dude. I'm in bed. My kids are next to me. Um, he, he's got his whole family in his bed. Right. Yeah, like that guy is who Jesus is portraying as the father. He's like, dude, what are you doing here? <laughs> Go away. All my kids, all my kids are in my bed. <laughs> you can just see him. He's just like, you know, when somebody walks into the, my room and I'm podcasting, like, Shh, I'm like get, get yeah. out. Yeah. It's like, you think this is such a need and you have to do this. Stop. Go away. You know? Man, there's so many lessons in this parable. It's like just mind blowing. I feel like you could you could write a like a whole book on it. Don't bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot yeah. get up and I cannot give you anything. And I tell you, Jesus says, he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise yeah. and give him whatever he needs. It's almost and like nah. this picture of like he doesn't stop asking. Yep. Like he like he keeps coming. Like the desperate nature of what's going on like he will not take no for an answer and here's and here's where we can we can fall into a trap yes with this parable that's why i was like ah because some (laughs) translations will have the word persistence Mm -hmm. impudence or persistence and if we're not careful we can buy into believing that this parable is teaching that we can get god out of bed to do our bidding if we ask enough times by not giving up Right. For sure. But that, but that word, it speaks to something much, much deeper. The word mm-hmm. impudence, right? The word there, it means a lack of sensitivity to what is proper, insolence, audacity, impudence. And here's my favorite shamelessness. Bingo. A lack of sensitivity to what is proper, yep. insolence, audacity, and shamelessness. Yep. So verse eight really could read this way. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. Yet because he lacks a sense of what is proper, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Mm. Oh, Lord, teach us how to properly pray. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, let me talk to you about an improper way to relate to God. Because yep. the, way you're, the way you're thinking you want properness, you want piety, and really grace, faith, mercy, it leads to improperness. It doesn't play according to the law. And I think this Dude, section it, it laughs in the face of retribution, man. Grace, like it, 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 it doesn't high five the payback. Yep. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it's, it's, it's unearthing, man. Being prim and proper is indicative of a pious life according to the law. Shameless inappropriateness mm-hmm. is the stuff of desperation, need, grace, and faith. It's like that, um, it's like that scene just a few chapters earlier, Luke 7, 36 to 50, when that sinful woman crashes the party at the Pharisee's house. 
to weep yeah. at Jesus' feet and anoint him with perfume, she busts mm-hmm. right inside of a dinner party. She just breaks in. She hears Jesus is there. She breaks in. She's already broken. Yep. She's already all the church ushers him. met her at the door. And they escorted her back out. They're like, you can't be in here. What are you doing? And Jesus is at a Pharisee's house when this happens. And they're just like, they're like appalled, appalled that this would even happen. Like, it's just this messy impudence. It's this shamelessness that's happening. And they're like, well, if, if he was really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is, who is, mm-hmm. who is touching him. The implication is like, oh, okay, well, if you knew what kind of woman this is, you wouldn't have anything to do with her. Yep. And I feel like recognize the improperness of this, (laughs) the lack of properness. And Jesus takes this improper, shameless moment to talk to them about forgiveness. He goes, let me ask you something. If someone's forgiven 3.5 billion versus a hundred bucks, who do you think is going to be more grateful? And the Pharisees like, well, obviously the one who's forgiven 3.5. He's like, yeah, he who's been forgiven much loves much loves Mm -hmm. in a messy way, loves in a shameless way, loves in an improper way. I freaking love this parable, dude. I love what's happening here. I love it. Tell me that the, like the reckless grace of God actually leads to the rising of the dead. I mean, are you, are you telling me like, like in the scriptures were in in Romans where it says, but it, it is the kindness of God. That leads to repentance, meaning a change of mind and what he's like. You mean it's the, it's it's this kind of forgiven, much improper, shameless, dying to meet us where we are, that leads us to a place of just awe hmm. and gratitude. Well, wait. So you're saying like the law is it like unable to do that? Are you saying Man, like- no? The Bible says that. Rules. And if righteousness and could come by the rules, it would have happened a long ago. But rules and religious training and and spiritual formation and three day prayer retreats with lanyards and a two hundred and fifty dollar admission fee and you know journals to, and pens and I'm about to highlighters. Host one of them things and they'll make two fifty a pop, bro. I'm just gonna share this parable. Yeah, could you imagine? Everybody paid all that money and they come and you're like, hey, for this training. We're just going to go with what Jesus says. We're going to look at what went on right before he does the Lord's prayer. We're going to look at this really odd moment where they're wanting training and he gives them a sentence. (laughs) Like what? And then we're going to go into the story he tells because of their asking. Mm. Dude, it would like, it would, well, if you were there for like really detailed training, you'd be pissed and want your money back. But if you were there because you really wanted to know like, what has God said about this? What's he really like? Yeah. If you embraced your oh, death yeah. and walked in the joy of resurrection, right. We would just like talk for like an hour and yeah, then we would just get on to like enjoying food and drink and reveling in the one who made an end to our sin and loves us <laughs> with a love that you know, it's crazy. Let us about go. It. I, th- I think we just planned a lark prayer retreat. Honestly, I think that's, that's what just happened. <laughs> just turns into a party, <laughs> you know, just you, you um, you know, just a little side note. I don't want to get too like um, too in the weeds here, man. But just something to just throw out there, just for anybody to chew on for later. The same word that's used in the scriptures here, when Jesus talks about you know this father rising to meet this person where they are, mm. right? The father rising to meet this shameless person at the door. Um, is the same. Greek word, bro, that's used in the scriptures when referring to resurrection. That's 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 it. That's worth the price of admission, right there. When you say see it again, that, couch it. So the 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 death to the public yep. pride, the desperation, which is yep. would be a, a parallel for death. Like when we say death, that's what we mean. Like yep. coming to the end of our rope. Our religious rope, our virtuous rope, this imaginary end of ourselves, independent self. Yep, we're literally like we have nothing to bring. I am in a place where I have nowhere else to turn. I have no more resources, no more wisdom, no more. I don't have no aces up my sleeve. You're saying that then, then that's when the Father rises to meet us. Yep. Come on, um, son. 
it's, it's just too good, man. It's the opposite of when you got it together, when you showed up with the list, when you showed up with a plan for reform, when you showed up with all the certificates of all the trainings that you went to, you know, that, that doesn't say any of that, man. It says, no, when you showed up at the end of your rope, man, when, when, when you have, have fallen dead to the illusion that there's a self to construct an image to protect. And instead, like a shameless child, you simply come with the confession of your failure to be a good host. It's then, then in the story, it says that the father would rise and raise him out of his despair. Hmm. Raise him out of his despair, dude. Think about that. You're wondering why religious people plotted and succeeded in the murder of Jesus. Don't get me wrong. He knew he was coming to die and he willingly did this um, out of his love for us and amen for it. But dude, this, this is so inviting. It is so life-giving to anyone who's come to that realization mm -hmm. to anyone who's just said, I give up, man. We think Christianity is like moralism and action. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not, it's, it's, it, it's, it's for the, for the winners who got it together and are serious about loving God and loving their neighbor. No, Christianity is for the losers. Christianity is a, is a, a word that was given for people who have come to the end of their rope, admitted their death, realized that like a child, they brought nothing. Hmm. And in their, their frailty and their failure simply looked up and said, you're my only hope. Yep. And Jesus is like, I know. Yep. So when you talk to him, just say, father, and have a talk. It's not work at all. When you realize it's your father you're talking to. Yeah. And I feel like right towards the end of this passage is where he really starts to get, you know, real yeah. with them right after he says, like, when you're in a desperate state, like this fellow who won't stop banging on his buddy's door, well past the respectable time. You don't care about calling after supper time, waking up the neighbors, waking up the kids, making yeah. a scene, all that's thrown out the window and embarrassing yourself, right? Is like the last option you have when there's nowhere else to go. When you come to the end of your rope, when you embrace your death, right? The father when actually, you admit rises, you're a loser. It, work, it works <laughs> in death and resurrection. Right. The fact that he knows this neighbor has some loaves of bread. He knows yep. he has what he needs. Right. And that's why we turn to God. He knows we have, he has what we need. And what do we yep. need? We need forgiveness. We need resurrection. We need a cross. We need all that. It's this dude's only hope. And then he gets real with them towards the end of the passage. And he says this, and I tell you, ask, and it's going to be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for whoever, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be open. And then again, he gives almost like a parabolic, another scenario here. He goes, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give, instead of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg is going to give him a scorpion. If you then, right, though you're evil, though you're broken, oh, though oh, you're. Say that again. <laughs> Jesus literally says, but if you who if are you, evil, evil. <laughs> know how to give good <laughs> gifts to your children. Right. How much more will your heavenly father give yeah. the Holy spirit to those who ask? And I think Jesus is saying that, listen, God's not into playing games. This yeah. whole question you ask on the front end is almost like a manipulative spiritual kind of like trickery where you're trying to figure out the right formula. You're trying to figure mm -hmm. out a plus C a plus B plus C equals D. And it's finally going to get God out of bed. And it's like, dude, you're totally missing, right? This he's, he doesn't play games. There's no bait and switch. There's no hide and seek. Mm -hmm. There's no playing hard to get. There's no manipulation when it comes to God. And the funny thing about prayer, since we're talking about this, right. Is all the training I've received. And all the things that I've seen and witnessed was always some sort of like formulaic form of manipulating God or doing it properly, whether it was like, oh, okay, we'll do the ax method or the prayer of Jabez or pray exactly like Paul or use these big yep. words or make sure you confess all your sins before you ask for something or whatever. All of it is trying to just kind of like, right, just like play mm -hmm. a game. And Jesus is saying, there's no game here. The work is done. 
all the moving the pieces and the chess of life and all that, it's all finished. There's no more pieces on the board. There's no more games. They've all been chucked right into the garbage. All you have left is a righteousness, which you could never earn a love, which you can never, ever run from fall out of lose and a father who is just relentless in his protection of you and persistence in his care for you. So just ask, just come however you are, however you're not right. Like just come to him. Yeah. It's almost like we see that passage is like this sort of like little system that we can play to with the right persistence. Then he'll give us all these other things, but go back to the prayer. The thing, the only thing that humans are invited to do is forgive. It starts off with recognizing that it's my dad that I'm talking to. And the only thing he says to ask for is the bare necessity of life. So you can get onto the good stuff of the very relationship you were made for. And somehow we leave that, ignore the story that Jesus tells to help them realize, why are you asking me this for this formula? And then when he gets to the end of that, we grab onto those couple of verses and go, see right here, man, we just got to know how to persist the right way. Then that's when he'll move and give me all these dreams and hopes and I'll get mine. And, and it's because I have faith that God, you know, did this. And, you know, you drive a Honda cause you have Honda faith, but I drive a, a, a Bentley cause I've got <laughs> Bentley faith. I mean, I've literally heard dudes say this. You don't ask enough. Or when you did ask, you weren't sounds like a Stephen enough, Furtick you enough, you weren't have faith enough. And then they get all in this hype of all these things. And I'm like, dude, that doesn't have a damn thing to do with what he literally asked us to ask the father for. <laughs> then he tells us a story to help us let's laugh at ourselves that we would even ask for this, for this, for this formula. And then you go on to the very end and see something that's a commandment to be able to just come to him with the boldness of a shameless child and turn it into another formula mm. to get him to move. Like, bro, like when I hear stuff like that, man, and watch people just start to just, just start to die and crumble under this weight and the worry that comes and the anxiety and the fear and the exhaustion and then the inevitable frustration and then the doubt. It's like, no, man, that's, that's not it. There's, He's showing us what God's like constantly in these parables, man, and inviting us to just let go and live. Just let go and live, man. Live in him. He's with us, period. He's not going anywhere and he's not letting you go. And so just to be clear, like just to be clear, I'm not saying that we can't persist in asking God for things. Okay. Like even like some of the things that we're talking about here that Jesus mentioned, but to think that he will act because we have uh, good reasons. Okay. For our, for our being a a shameless beggar is completely contradictory to the parable that we just read the parable that Jesus told the father doesn't rise out of his bed because the guy has good reasons. All right. For being there. We don't see that. So that's contradictory to the story that Jesus said, you know what I mean? But also to think that we just need to keep repeating ourselves, to keep being persistent, to keep repeating our phrases so that God will act is completely contradictory to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 7, when he literally says, don't pray like these religious dudes over here. who are just repeating the same phrases over and over and over and over and over again. Dude, could you imagine if one of your kids came to you with a, with a legitimate need and was talking to you. And all they did was repeat the same two sentences to you over and over and over and over and over again. Like, well, I, I, feel like, I feel like I question. do get that in the summertime when my daughter Corinne asks for a sleepover with her next door best friend <laughs> so <you gotta laughs> every, every single day. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like you see the recognizing of need and what the father's like to be that shameless, persistent beggar. But to think that it's because of the words that you're saying and the yeah. repetition that he's going to somehow move. Again, it's, what, it's, it's what's at the core what of the said. persistence. It's what's at the core of the persistence. It's yes. what's at the core of all that, that shamelessness, that death. That's what he's, he's getting at. Yeah. And I think if you, so I hate when people you, throw that out, you know, it's like, you yeah. got to do it that way. It's like, okay. no, do it again. It's, we want, we want the fruit of resurrection without death. Mm-hmm. 
So the fruit of resurrection is a persistence. It is this dependence. It is what like like what some people would even phrase like discipline, so to speak. Dude, yeah, you call it discipline when you haven't embraced your death. (laughs) When when you when you've embraced your death, your discipline actually looks just like desperation. It's done out of desperation. Yeah, when you uh yeah, because I mean, we just have way too many stories that we could point to in our own lives and the lives of other people around us that have prayed, man, till their knuckles bled. And then what they were hoping wouldn't happen happened, man. Yeah. Right. There, there's a real God who's in real control and real things happen. And as we've even talked about in past parables, evil is among us. And there's a way that he's working in and through these things. And he doesn't work on our timetables. And we don't see it all and know it all and understand it all. Um, and if you're not careful, you'll grab onto this and misapply this whole point of what Jesus is driving home and turn it into a formula that will exhaust you and eventually frustrate you and lead you to a place of even wondering, like, is he real? Does he care? Does he love me? And it's what, where does it come from? Dude, a true, I feel like a true misconception of what he's like. Yeah. And a misunderstanding of what Jesus is actually saying here. This is beautiful, man. This is a picture of a God who rises, a father who rises to raise us in Jesus's death. (laughs) It's so good. It's so it good. It is all you and I need to do to awaken to this reality. This life giving reality is to come with our shameless admission that we're dead without him. God. That's what he's showing us. God meets the shameless, right? The shamelessness of the dead. He embraces the shamelessness of the dead, not the systematics of the spiritual. There you go, dude. There's your tweet. If you tweeted, there it is. Good stuff, man. Well, amen to this. You know what, Russ? I really enjoy doing this podcast with you. It's a lot of fun. It is. It is. I I thoroughly enjoy this time, this Bible time, Russ and Tony. (laughs) Man, Until, I just every week, right? You just you do this like another picture where we're just like so good, dude. Mind blown, man. And, so uh, good. And just so you know, like, w- like we're fans of this right along, right alongside of you. <laughs> like every week, we're diving in and we're like, dude, what? And we're just bringing good news. That's good news to us and sharing it with you. So I can't believe I I get to do this uh, for a living, which is pretty cool. Amen, man. So until next time, cheers. cheers.